Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Before we get started, I wanted to read one of our latest reviews at the Radiant Podcast. Carson writes, Kelsey, you and your podcast have just been a complete joy and blessing in my life. I have loved each and every episode, the guests you bring on, and the insight and knowledge I receive every single time I listen. It's nothing but goodness, truly. Your latest interview with Polly from Horatio Printing really hit home, and I'm so excited to share it with my friends because I know they'll benefit too. Thanks again for being such a true encourager of women and people. Guys, reviews like this make my day. And I would love for you to take 30 seconds and head on over and leave a review for the Radiant Podcast. It's not just about popularity or ratings, but it's also what helps spread the word about this podcast and get it in the rankings of iTunes so other people come tag along because the more the merrier, right? So leave a review and also be sure to screenshot the Radiant Podcast when you're listening and put it in your Instagram stories and tag me so I know. And then I'm going to be reading posting the tagged screenshots every single week in my story. So I would love to see who's listening. I want to know who my Radiant Tribe is, and I will see you in the reviews and on Instagram. This week we have Alexis Giostra, also known as Miss Trenchcoat, all across the internet. She is an online entrepreneur who designs and sells digital productivity tools to help you work smarter, not harder. I don't know about you guys, but that speaks my language. Through her YouTube channel with over 80,000 subscribers, her digital products, and her social media presence, Alexis teaches an unexpected approach to productivity of executing less to manifest more. Again, guys, you are going to love this episode. I absolutely loved chatting with Alexis. She really does have an unexpected approach, and her wisdom has totally impacted me. So I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. Hey, Alexis. Hey, girl. I am so glad you're here. I loved, you know, that we got to meet and connect in LA this year and since have been able to catch up, collaborate, and I just am so inspired by what you're doing in the online space. And I would love for you to start by just sharing with our listeners what you're doing, who you are, how you got started, all the things. Okay, sure. So hello to everyone listening. I am Alexis Geostra, but I'm also known as Miss Trenchcoat all across the internet. I'm an online entrepreneur who designs and sells digital productivity tools to help you work smarter, not harder. So that is what I am into. I have um, classes and courses that I teach, and they're sold digitally through video, you know, master classes, books, things of that sort, and planner inserts. Um, I really got started within the planner community, which t- took off a few years ago via YouTube, um, but. Really, I guess, where I started, um, really growing up, I would say I was that type A overachiever. Um, However, I didn't really fit the typical overachiever mold. So yes, while I was always pretty much one of the smartest kids in any of my classes, I was also incredibly lazy. And when I tell people that, they think it's like so funny. They're like, oh yeah, you lazy, Alexis. Oh, sure. You're a productivity guru. But no, really, I'm super lazy, like ass 
people from like my life who've known me since I was a kid, I'm the lazy kid, but I'm the person who also wants to achieve a lot. So for me, like the struggle was real in terms of how do I get all of the attention and praise and achievement without having to put in a lot of work. And I'd say that when you were younger, right, in like grade school, I guess, this was easier to achieve because being smart really could keep take you a long way when you're in grade school and yeah. even really into high school, like just naturally being the smart kid really went a long way. Um, but as you know, as you're put into more challenging classes academically and like high school and college, you know, and more, there ends up being more work required. There ends up being more work required. So by the time I was in high school, I was like a die-hard productivity nut. So believe it or not, I read David Allen's Getting Things Done when I was in high school. I had a copy of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People on my Palm Pilot that organized my homework and my calendar of events, which, you know, you can imagine in high school was like, go to the movies on Friday night or attend party at Sally's house on Saturday. But... This continued from high school into college, me using organization and productivity hacks to just, and my general smarts, to really just cut corners where I could so I could focus my effort in places where I knew, you know, more time, more effort would have the biggest impact in my results. So probably from high school age and definitely into college, many people would tell me that they thought I should start my own business or that was what they saw for me in my future. And to be honest, although it sounded cool, it was pretty much like in one ear and out the other because, you know, I had quote unquote plans in my head for what I wanted to do, of course. Uh, but ultimately, by the time I graduated college and applied to grad school, with the state of the economy and what I wanted to do by that time, all bets were off for me and I had to really rewrite my path. So at the time that I graduated college, which of course I'm an overachiever, so I graduated early, <laughs> uh, <laughs> blogging was becoming a thing, right? So this was like, I graduated in 2007. So in 2008, I started a blog. And then in 2009, I started this newfangled platform called YouTube and getting really into social media, which was a completely different monster at the time. Um, it really was more in its infancy. I mean, YouTube was like totally not what it is today. Blogging is totally back then was not what it is today. I was really like an OG when it comes to a lot of the social media stuff. And in the beginning, I was just doing it for fun because I liked technology and I liked productivity and, you know, I was someone who enjoyed writing and, you know, creating videos. Um, so this was something I started doing, we would say, maybe as like a side hustle, but not really with any ends in mind because back then there really wasn't an end in mind because it really hadn't developed into the sort of commercial platform that it is today in media. So, right. Eventually, I started a job um, on my, in my career path. I started working for a Fortune 50 company after I graduated college, and it wasn't necessarily in the field of what I thought I was going to be doing, but um, I was good at it, and I did like you know the people, and the work was challenging, but also something that I could do because there was a lot of analysts, sort of things in it, and I tend to be very like... I'm very good at with being an analyst, I guess, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of organization and, and administrative things that had to do with it. So, you know, I was using my productivity hacks and, you know, all of that stuff to really make a name for myself and work my way up this corporate ladder, while at the same time, I was still holding down this sort of side hustle, being a blogger and a, 
and a vlogger, I guess, and doing social media stuff. And people at work would even say who knew about like this side hustle that I was doing um, would say like, you know, why aren't you doing something different? Like, why are you working in the sales and marketing company when, you know, obviously you have more like creative interests. But to me at the time, like, you know, like I said, it took a while, I guess, for blogging and YouTube to get to where it is today where you could actually really make money off of it. And so for me, I was happy where I was. And eventually I did end up making the leap um, from my nine to five and going full time for myself once the time was kind of right. And, you know, YouTube was really starting to blow up and you really could make a full time income from YouTube and blogging, you know, was starting to really get traction so that I was getting offered, you know, money to do posts and doing sponsored content. So in 2014, in the spring, I did make that leap from nine to five to working full time for myself. And then within six months, I ended up replacing my income from the Fortune 50 job and kept growing my business to where I am at today. Wow. So within six months, you matched your income. Yes. So would your advice be for someone to quit in order and then have time to build their business? Or would you, looking back, say, stay at your job and build your business on the side? Okay, so I would definitely say, like for me, I mean, I think stay at your job and build your business on the side until you get to a point where going full time makes more sense. So something I did not mention when I was talking about my story is that when I did go full time for myself, I reached what I had considered to be like in a proof of income level. So I had set in my head that I wanted to make a certain amount of money each month from my side hustle before I would take the leap into working full time for myself. And that is what I did. So once I reached that level of, okay, you're now bringing in a certain amount of money so that it was like proof that, you know, almost like a proof of concept. Like I knew yeah. that this was going to work and that if I was able to spend more time on it and developing my ideas and my content, then that I knew would lead to me being able to earn more money. So I would definitely say that I think that the going full-time was important. Um, I think that that really gave me the time and space that I needed and almost like the fire under your butt to, you know, really hustle and work at it. But I don't think that people should just quit their jobs willy-nilly. <laughs> um, I really had worked up to really having a savings as well for, you know, so that, you know, if, you know, the worst happened, I could live like for, you know, maybe about six months. So it wasn't like I was going into this completely blind. I really think that that's really the best proof is if you can work your full-time job and make yourself hit some level of success with the side hustle, I think that then becomes when you reach a happy medium where you can kind of see that spending more time on your side hustle will bring you more income. I think that's the ideal scenario to be in. And so tell us about the early days of YouTubing, because obviously the landscape has changed. I would love for you to hear, I would love to hear about your evolution um, as you've been in the online space and just how making peace with things changing and all of your input there. Yeah. So when I started YouTube back in 2009, let's see. I think vlogging was just kind of getting started as a thing. And I would never say that I was ever really a vlogger, someone who showed the day to day of their life as though it was a reality show. But that was definitely something that was just getting started. And when I started YouTube, it was really um, a place for me to talk about a lot of the sort of geeky 
technology things that I really liked. So at the time I was, and really still, but at the time it was like more exciting to me, um, you know, online, especially on YouTube, there were a lot of people doing tech reviews and, you know, reviewing different technology. And, you know, back in 2008, 2009, you know, we didn't really have, we didn't have iPhones yet. I don't think iPhone came out yet, or maybe it had just come out. I don't think I had one. I mean, it wasn't something that I had for several years, you know, up to that point. So it was something where like really the new technology was really way more exciting than I feel like it is now where, you know, we get cool things now, but it's like so common now. Like I feel like we get cool things all the time that we're kind of immune to it. So back then I was really interested in technology and YouTube was a place where there was this technology community. And so I was doing that. But then eventually, you know, I really was thinking, you know, let's maybe line this up with my blogging. Let's do some more lifestyle stuff. And I did, you know, do a forte into lifestyle things where I wouldn't say that I was ever like a beauty guru or a beauty vlogger, but I definitely talked about more lifestyle sorts of things. And that really didn't end up working out for me, I think, because I'm not necessarily someone who is really into trying all of the lifestyle things out. And I think that there's kind of that's really the the thing that you have to you have to really have that sort of knack for being someone who likes to try new things all the time. And I'm not necessarily one who likes to try new things. And I definitely was trying something new, trying to do lifestyle because I saw that that was where the opportunity for money was. And it, around that time was probably about 2011, 2012. So that's really when people were starting to get things mailed to them a lot, you know, like samples if you were like a influencer and things like that. So I thought, hmm, let me try this out. I didn't end up really loving it. Um, and then eventually really once 2014 hit and maybe a little bit before then, that's when the planner community online really became a big thing. If you're not familiar, having a planner, like a paper planner and having it set up and, you know, decorating it and, you know, being organized. This is like a thing that totally blew up on the internet in 2014. And I happened to be kind of at the forefront of it. Um, I was definitely one of the OG planner YouTubers, and that was something that had a major positive effect on my channel because I, it took me until 2014 to get a thousand subscribers. So I went five years and it took me wow. to get a thousand. But then that year, 2014, I think I gained like 10,000 subscribers in one year. And then like the next year, it was like maybe 20 or 30,000. So it was a massive amount of growth because I stumbled upon this community where people were really starting to come together over this idea of planners. And I eventually took that into my deep love of productivity. And that was really something that I think made the biggest difference was that I was talking about something that was within the realm of a very popular community, but I almost had my own niche cut out for it. Yeah, I would love for you to talk about, you know, building a niche audience and not trying to speak to all people, A, and then B, you know, what was it like in the kind of misfit days between moving from tech to realizing I don't love, like actually this lifestyle thing sounds great in theory, but this is not my flavor or expression to then finding your kind of way with productivity of something that really did mean something to you. Therefore, it was an alignment for you to make a video about. So, I mean, I would definitely say that in those early days when I was doing that sort of transition, trying to figure myself out, I didn't put a lot of pressure on what I was doing when it came to the content I was creating for YouTube. Now, 
in some cases, I would definitely say that, you know, if you were starting now, probably going all over the place with your content wouldn't be the best idea because there are more eyes on YouTube. And I would definitely say that the sooner you can find your niche, the better you're going to have, you know, more results and better results in the right direction that you want because you'll be able to grow because we all know that consistency is really the key when it comes to growth is that when you're doing something consistently and you're doing it well, you're actually able to master it better and you're really able to kind of carve out your own, you know, niche for yourself. But in those early days when I was trying everything out, I was really just kind of following my heart, right? So I think that the lesson of that for me was that I wasn't putting a lot of pressure on myself to become a success. At that point, I wasn't even, you know, really aware of the possibilities that YouTube could bring me. And so I was just kind of trying to discover my own self, right? And I think that sometimes it takes a while and it takes a lot of wrong turns to discover what it is that you want. Um, for me, definitely, I've never really been someone who always knew exactly what it is that I wanted. So I went out and tried a lot of different things and it was almost like trial and error or, you know, eliminating things I didn't like by trying them, right? So that was really how I came to figuring out what it was that was going to be the niche for me. Um, and I think that when it comes to developing your niche, once you've kind of figured out where you really feel like you belong, because... For me, it really did feel like stars had aligned in 2014 that I was kind of thrust into this planner community that was growing um, and I was making a name for myself there. But then I very quickly realized that with all the people who were joining the community and making videos, um, everything really seemed to be the same so that I really needed to figure out the message and really the voice that was going to be mine. And... For that, I went back to my tried and true. What was the reason that I had even gotten involved with planners to begin with? And it was my love of organization and productivity and, you know, my long history of being a very lazy person who needed to know productivity hacks. And I thought, you know what? The more I talked about that on my channel, the more people really loved that. And actually, when I left my job to do YouTube, you know, and my side hustle full time, I had been developing my own planner inserts, like inserts that I was designing for myself. And when I mentioned them or showed them on my channel, people would ask, you know, can you sell these? Can you sell these? And Kelsey, like I was working for myself full time and you know how long it took me to actually put together a shop and actually start selling them, like decide, yeah, this was a good idea. Like it took me a long time of people saying to me, like months of people saying, can you please sell these? And that shop was really the reason I was able to replace my income because in the fall I finally was like okay you know what I'll build a website like an e-shop I will make these inserts and I will put them up for sale and then I used YouTube as that medium to market them but you know it was really something that had happened because my audience asked me for it <laughs> and I eventually listened to them yeah and I mean that listening sounds like it made way for what would be you know Again, your mainstream of income because, you know, that was never the plan, was it? No, it was never the plan. It was like having a shop was never the plan. Like the plan was do blogging and get sponsorships and, you know, the income for YouTube and, you know, get people to pay you to make YouTube videos or things like that. That's what the plan was originally to be like a full-time content creator in that sense. And 
what really made the biggest difference and like it immediately turned my income like up on its head in terms of like I just was like wow I cannot believe this is happening um is that I was finally listening to my audience and giving them what they asked for and what I was willing to give them you know I don't think it's always the best idea to give your audience everything that they ask for like you really have to feel like it's in line with what you want to do and you know what feels right to you but it was just one of those things where it was like, you know what, why not? Let's take a chance on this. And it worked out so well that I really was like, okay, my like the lazy person inside of me was like, okay, let's spend a little bit more time on this to see if we can make more money, right? So, and that's exactly what happened. The more time I spent on it, the more products I added to the shop. Um, you know, I really started with these digital inserts and then I branched out into, you know, uh, these classes and you know video lecture classes and courses and even like workbooks and ebooks and that was really what made the difference was I just kept going I just I just kept following where you know there was already proof that people would want to purchase these things and I just kept going and putting the effort where I saw it making sense so taking the next right step, not worrying about like your long-term vision and all, or am I going to do this forever? I never had a long-term vision. That was something that I always found to be like really frustrating for me was that even when I got started with all this, there really was no long-term vision. If you had asked me what I had thought was I was going to be doing in the next year or three years or five years, I would have been like, I don't know, more of this. Like I'm very much a go with the flow type of person. And so I find that for me, just being open-minded and willing to take chances or try things out has always been the thing that has led me to the right path. And I'm not really worried about taking the wrong step. Like I have made products and put them out in the shop and they haven't been so popular. And it's like, okay, no big deal. This didn't work, but I have plenty of other things that are working. And so I'll go back to the drawing board and try something new. And I think it's that spirit um, of ingenuity really that, you know, really, and willingness to really put myself out there and not be afraid that something was going to flop. That was really what helped me to carve out the path that actually worked for me. Wow. I love that. So, um, you know, I think a lot of our listeners would, are in the space of, I'd love to be an influencer, but I think you and I both have realized, you know, we put all our eggs in that basket in the beginning and realized that you can actually be more profitable selling a product, service, etc. I would love for you to shed light on that because A, I think the landscape is changing and it's not as easy to be just a strict, strict influencer. But B, you know, because it's a little saturated at this point, that's why I say that. But B, you know, why did your business become different when you started introducing product or coaching services? And what, obviously you mentioned that, you know, people were asking for it, but what ultimately um, made you make that change? And B, um, what do you think now that you've been doing that versus just relying on the influencer bit? Okay, so I would say for me, I really feel like I never had to give up on the idea of being an influencer. I would definitely say that right now, in with everything I've got going on, I still am an influencer and I still am brought different opportunities to do sponsored posts and to, you know, share products and things with my audience because I do have a big audience. But for me, I realized that I just because I wasn't going to be an influencer per se full time didn't mean that I couldn't I had to give up on it 
Like I still incorporate parts of that into my business, but it's just not my main focus. And that was something that I think was very important for me as well, because I'm very much into the idea of creating passive income, which is why my my shop is mostly digital things that are, you know, already created. And like you touched on, I do a little bit of consulting, you know, and coaching sort of things with clients, but I try to keep that to a minimum. But I am very much um, trying to create this sort of passive income sort of lifestyle for myself. And having multiple buckets that I kind of have income coming into is very much a part of that. So it's not, for me, it's never been about like having to choose, like you have to be a coach or you have to be someone who creates products or you have to be like just an influencer. For me, it was just mixing it all together and knowing like, okay, when it makes sense, I get to put on the influencer hat. And when it makes sense, I'm creating new products for my shop. And when it makes sense, I'm taking on clients and doing, you know, consulting work. So for me, that's all gone into developing my business, realizing that I can wear multiple hats because it's my business. I'm creating my dream job. You know, I get to say ultimately what I'm going to spend my time on and what I'm not going to spend my time on. And I think there's a lot of freedom in knowing that when you do work for yourself, you're the one who calls the shots. So you don't have to give up on any one ideal or idea that you think that, you know, you want your business to look like. It's just you may not be able to make as much from that, and it ends up being something that on the side, you know, is giving you some extra income every now and again, and, you know, making you feel, like, empowered being an influencer, but you're also spending time where necessary on your business doing, you know, your coaching or consulting or creating products or services, whatever it is that you do. You know, I think that is really important is when you keep the options open and make sure that you have multiple streams of income coming into your business because it all goes a long way in helping you, you know, ultimately reach that goal of having economic freedom and a successful business that gives you the time to do what you would like to do with your life. I, I'm with you. And I think you even rephrased that better than than I said to begin with. Of Yeah, it's not about cutting, you know, that dream of being an influencer, but it's about diversifying. So you have multiple different avenues, multiple, multiple different options. You don't have to take every single sponsored post that you're approached with, either because you've built up your, you know, rapport and you don't have to. Um, take every single one or because you have other streams of income and you can say, hey, I don't feel like doing that for this season and I'm not going to. <laughs> and so one thing that you've touched on quite a bit is passive income. I would love for you to talk about um, your quest to kind of really make that a huge facet of your business, how that served you well in the past and um, how any type of entrepreneur can build that into their business. Yeah, so for me, when it came to like the whole purpose of me even leaving my job to start my own business, I guess I should go back to say that, you know, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, I think like in 2010 or 2011. And when I read that book, that really opened my eyes to what was perhaps possible for me in the future. And I knew like reading that, okay, I love this idea of having a business where I don't have to work 24 hours a day or I don't have to be working constantly or every day, where I'm really working on my own terms. Um, that was really something that I 
felt a lot of interest in. And I, I'm sure that there's probably many women who are listening to this podcast right now who either want to become moms or are already moms. And for me, it was just a priority that I wanted to be able to be really engaged in my life. And, you know, when I have children one day, I want to be engaged in their life. So I wanted to be very intentional when I did set up my business that I was creating something where it was not required for me to be working every day in order to earn money. And since I knew it was possible for other people, other people were able to do it. I knew that it had to be possible for me. <laughs> so yeah. when I did finally go full time for myself, um, it was really important to me, especially like when I was getting into the shop, I would say, because before that there was, you know, I was, you know, creating content like very regularly and in very many ways, that is like having a job. Even though I'm the one writing the blog posts, making the YouTube videos, that is something where, you know, I really was having to create the content in order to see results or get anything out of that. So it was almost a situation of not really being passive income. So once I, I started the shop and knew that I was going to start selling these you know, products digitally, so many people had asked me, you know, can you print them and ship them to us? And I was like, nope not going to happen. And I realized that I really left a lot of money on the table with choices like that, where I intentionally chose that I was not going to take my business in that direction because I knew that it was not going to be the thing that gave me what I wanted with my, with my business. I didn't want to end up having to be someone whose, you know, days were, you know, printing things, shipping them, you know, doing product creation and fulfillment is a full-time job. So I knew that I didn't want to do that. Even though I knew I could like hire people, I just knew that that wasn't where I wanted my business to go. I wanted to keep it digital. I wanted to keep it very simple and streamlined. I knew I didn't want to have to be someone who, you know, needed to have an assistant or needed to hire a team in order to make my, you know, to make my business work. That was just not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to keep it as simple and easy as possible. And yes, I left many opportunities, um, you know, just kind of like walked away from different opportunities where I'm sure my business could be, who knows how much bigger it could be if I actually went into physically printing and shipping things um, and pr producing actual physical products. But it was something where I had drawn the line in the sand. You know, it was almost like having like this litmus test sort of a question for myself. Like, is this going to be something that is going to be able to be residual or is it something where I'm going to have to put in effort? <laughs> and if the answer was that I had to put in extra effort, I didn't want to have to do it. So I intentionally carved out my business to be this passive income um, generating business and it worked. Like it just worked. I just kept creating things that we're digital. So when they're digital, you know, it's always, you know, if you have an e-shop the way that I have an e-shop set up, it's all automated, which is wonderful. It means that I do have to do work creating the products, but once they're created, I can sell them over and over and over and over and over automatically on my shop. And it means income is coming in, but effort is not going out for me other than dealing with, you know, tech support issues and emails, um, which is still predominantly the majority of my time working really is talking to customers or potential customers um, or clients. But I was very intentional that I was only going to be creating products and, you know, services that were going to, 
you know, have that residual income where I was able to market them through my YouTube channel. Like I, and I cut down on the number of videos I even started creating. I went from maybe making like three to four videos a week in 2014 to like by 2015, I think I was just doing two. And then 2016, I was making one video a week. And it was very much, you know, me following the 80-20 rule, you know, mostly I was giving, you know, valuable content. And then every once in a while, I would create, you know, a sort of content marketing sort of post or video that showed my products and announced that I had something new in the shop. And then when I did that, people purchased them. And, you know, being that it's YouTube, it is, you know, if you create evergreen content, we all know this kind of like pretty much like marketing basics, right? If you create evergreen content in terms of blog posts and videos, you know, it's going to be something where people are going to continue to find it. And if it's helpful and you've marketed a helpful product in that content, you know, you're going to see sales come in from it. So, you know, creating these sorts of marketing funnels and things like that, it took time, but it was one of those things where intentionally I knew that if I put the work in setting up the system, that it was going to generate an income for me. And Yes, I think what you were probably getting at is, you know, talking about how last year for me in 2017, I took a very major step back from my business. I actually like stopped blogging uh, more or less and only made videos very occasionally. And I really didn't come up with anything new <laughs> last year. And my, it was really a test of my passive income business and it, it proved that it worked. Um, I was still generating myself monthly income and I wasn't putting in the work in terms of marketing and things like that. So it really gave me a really great perspective last year. It gave me a lot of room to evaluate my own life and the things that I wanted, but it also gave me a great perspective once I came back on my business knowing, okay, so you know what actually works when you're not even involved. <laughs> so it gave me even more perspective of where I could spend my time, again, being that like lazy person at heart what really was going to help me move the needle for my business um, moving forward because I had really tested, I spent a year basically testing what would happen if I went MIA and everything still stayed afloat and everything still functioned, which was great. So yeah, I, you know, I would love for you to, without, you know, diving into your year, but more of the overall concept of, you know, I think both of us pretty much were MIA last year. I mean, if you look at my Instagram, which is my career, you know, I posted maybe once a month. And I think both of us were proven that we don't live and die by how much we post or all the things. And I, I know that a conversation I've been having quite often lately is that, you know, our Facebook feeds are flooded with ads that tell us we have to do all the things in order to have a six-figure business. And you and I both saw that that's not the case. We could actually scale back and still make the same thing. And we, as long as we're in tune with, you know, that the absolute musts we need to be doing. Um, but, but it's not true that we have to do all the things. Um, how did that you know, shape your mindset moving forward in simplifying and working from alignment and trusting your gut when you know it's time to step back for a while. I mean, how did that change you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it changed me in terms of, I spent a year really putting my money where my mouth was and it proved to me the theories I already had. So for me, like last year really played on and like the results I got, I really think have a lot to do with almost like my productivity message, you know, 
in being this productivity guru, one of the things that I tell people, not just people who, you know, are looking to start a business, but like, you know, even just people who have, you know, nine to fives or are, you know, working moms or even moms who stay home, you know, a lot of us have a lot of expectations on us from the outside world. And, um, you know, you can turn anywhere left or right. And, you know, someone in the world is trying to tell you how you should be doing things. And it can get very overwhelming if you think that you need to be paying attention to what the other people are saying. Um, so for me, one of my big philosophies that I've kind of always preached and really, um, I guess started practicing as of last year was the idea of, being very intentional and setting your focus based on what it is that you want and focusing on less, not more. So there is a principle called the Pareto principle, which really is the 80-20 rule um, in other words. But it says that, you know, 80% of your net result comes from 20% of your actions. So if you knew that you could produce 80% of the results in your life from only doing 20% of the things that you're doing right now, like if you could cut out 80% of the things that you're doing and still get really good results, like 80%, if that was, if you were, we were getting scored like in a classroom, that's a B. So if you were able to produce B results by doing, you know, she's Louise, like a quarter of the things that you're already doing, what would you cut out? <laughs> um, and what would you choose to spend your time and your focus on instead? So that was something that I really saw big time in my life by cutting out different expectations. Like even though I was very protective of my time and put boundaries around my time and made sure I wasn't creating products or services or anything like that that would take up too much of my time, I still was someone who really felt like there was this expectation that a video had to be out every week and that I had to have a certain amount of blog posts in order for my blog to, you know, show up in Google results and, um, you know, that I had to be present on my Instagram account in order to remain relevant. But the truth was, was that really, you know, although there's a lot of suggestions out there for how you could be doing literally anything in your life. Um, I think that when you take a step back and figure out what it is that you really want to do and then measure your results and try to figure out what the magic formula is going to be for you, you'll actually see that really no one's paying as much attention as you are <laughs> to what you're doing so that you really can focus in on what those 20% of things are that are going to give you that 80% result so that you have more time and more freedom in your own life and in your own, in your head, right? Because there's a lot of mental clutter that we live with on a daily basis. And the more we can cut that stuff out, um, the more we're actually able to live intentionally. And like you said, within alignment. And I spend a lot of time letting things come to me instead of taking action. That was something that was very big in my life was that realizing that I didn't necessarily have to take action on every little thing in order for results to be driven. Um, I could just wait for opportunities to come to me and things do kind of flow naturally to you when you're very clear on what it is that you want to achieve and what you're trying to do. That's good. Um, so tell us your why behind productivity and your message there and um, what you're doing. Like what are your latest product projects? I'd love to hear. So I think my big why, other than, I mean, originally it was that I'm lazy, right? So I <laughs> wanted to be able to have like the biggest bang for my buck in terms of my time management. But the more I got into this productivity and planning community, the more I really saw that 
women specifically were being plagued by the situation that you kind of mentioned earlier that there are expectations out there that are put, I think, directly on women more so than anyone else um, for the way that they're supposed to be living their lives. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be working and having a family and being the PTA mom and helping out at your church and being a volunteer and all of the things. And the truth of the matter was, was that I was working with women and talking to women within my community who were coming to me because they wanted me to give them some secret as to how they could achieve all the million things in their life in the 24 hours they got in a day. And these were women who were like cutting their sleep, you know what I mean? Like not doing self-care, really putting themselves last because the expectations were overwhelming. And for me, I just saw that the need really was that my why really is to share the message with women specifically that there are no expectations that matter except your own. And it is time now, I think, for us to drop the expectations and just focus on the things that make us happy and are going to advance our lives the way that we want them. And I realize that takes a lot of effort and courage and like mental strength and boundaries. That is almost like a whole new world for many women, especially in my community, women who have never been able to say no to external expectations. But the truth is, is that you know, we are really suffering as women. You know, women are really getting a lot of pressure and putting themselves last. And we really need to be putting ourselves first if we're going to be serving others and serving the world the way that we want to. Um, I think we've all heard like you can't serve from an empty bowl. Um, I love to use the analogy, you know, when you're in an airplane and they're doing the safety presentation, they say, make sure you secure your own oxygen mask first before helping others. Because if you try to help your kid next to you and you pass out in the middle of it, <laughs> you're not helping yourself or your child. So you want to make sure that you're putting your primary focus on filling your own cup first so that you can show up in a greater capacity in your own life and that you're being really clear on the vision that you have for your life and putting up boundaries on your time because it really is your time and no one really should be telling you how to spend it except for you. And I think that once you get to that point where you cut out all of the extra stuff that's really overwhelming you, you can really get in touch with yourself and really find harmony with yourself and really achieve greater things for your life because we all know that the secret to productivity is not doing more. Like doing more is not going to help um, I love the quote from the song Circle of Life by Elton John that goes with the Lion King movie that says, <laughs> you know, there's more to do than can ever be done. And that's the truth. The truth is, is that in this world, there's more to do than can ever be done. So stop trying to do it all. Focus on just that small percentage, that 20 percentage that is going to give you the best effort. And how you find that is through trial and error. It is through, you know, looking at your results, being really intentional, you know, start by cutting out the little things that you're like, you know what, I bet you if I didn't do this, no one would say anything. You know, you take those chances and try to start cutting things out and start setting boundaries with people and start saying no when your heart is not fully into it or you don't really have the time. Um, and then that's the way you actually achieve, you know, that sense of balance in our lives and you're going to be able to show up more fully for yourself and those around you because you have more time to go deeper with people instead of living this like surface level life where we're kind of all like scattered running around like chickens without a head on. Yeah. So that's really my why, to help women to be a little bit more like me. I'm very much protective of my time and people say that I'm very productive even though I would say I'm very lazy. 
And that's because I know how to put my time into the places that are going to have the biggest bang for my buck. And that's really all that matters to me. As long as I'm moving the needle for myself in the areas that are important to me, it doesn't matter, you know, if everything else isn't perfect. Other people's other people are not really paying attention as much as there's expectations out there. Other people aren't paying attention to you as much as you are. Absolutely. That is so true. So what do you have coming up? What are your latest projects? I'd love for you to kind of share what you've got going on. So right now we have a very exciting project going on. Um, when Miss Kelsey and I met in LA, I was approached by a female filmmaker named Alexia Anastasio who asked me if I would be the subject of her next documentary. So I am in the process right now of launching a Kickstarter campaign with Alexia to fund this documentary about me that talks all about my journey and this philosophy I have for the world and women specifically to help us really take back our own time and make things happen for ourselves, you know, both through strategic action that we're taking by minimizing the things that we're involved in and really, you know, focusing on in on those things that matter, but then also by having that space and clarity in our life where we're able to put our intentions out into the world and then receive back from the world things without having to put in too much effort. So really <coughs> manifesting through our intentions as well as our actions. So that's what I've got going on right now. And I would love if any of you who are listening to this, if this is a message that resonates with you, if you would love to see women kind of take on this new empowered message of really doing less so that they can achieve more, then I would really love it if you could get involved with the Kickstarter campaign. And if you could donate, that would be amazing to help us make this documentary a reality. Or if you could share it on your social media, that would go such a long way in helping us to spread the message of this because every dollar counts when it comes to creating a movie and a documentary. And you know we really have this very strong message that we believe in and we wanna make sure that it gets out to as many women as possible because I think it could really be life-changing. I love it. And I love what you guys are doing. I am so excited for this project to come to life. And that goes live today, right? Yes, it does. As you guys are listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there's going to be notes or something in the podcast notes where, you know, Kelsey can link to the Kickstarter where you can give or share. We would really encourage you guys to give what you can because I really do think this is a message that women really need to hear. And I really think that, you know, I've been a really great example of how you can do less and still achieve more. And I think this is something that many people believe is not really possible, that you can you know, manifest things into your life. It kind of sounds like woo-woo magic, but I promise you it's something that if you are very intentional about the way that you are crafting your life and putting you know, your energy out there into the world, you can make things happen uh, both through you know, focused action and through intentions that bring the right people and places and opportunities to you so that you can go further ahead with your dreams. Yeah, guys, I will, you know, go ahead and say Alexis has an incredible message around this and I'm really excited for a space 
that will allow her to tell this story and her message in a more formal manner and give her time and space to unpack it for you guys because I know you're going to love it. I've really enjoyed listening to her chat about it and I've so enjoyed having you on today. Alexis, where can everyone find you? I'll link this up in the show notes and on the blog, also the Kickstarter, but where can everyone find you online? Well, I'm Miss Trenchcoat all on the internet. So Instagram, Twitter, all the places. I'm Miss Trenchcoat. I would definitely suggest, you know, if you're someone who's interested in productivity, and uh, planning and things like that, definitely check out my YouTube channel. Subscribe to youtube.com slash mistrenchcoat because that's really where I think I have some of the best content going on right now and such a big community right now. We're over 80,000 people strong. So we've really got a great thing going on over there. And of course, you could check out my blog, www.strangecharmed.com and feel free if you're interested in signing up for one of my master classes or getting some of my digital inserts. I also have tons of freebies whether you are a business owner or not, I've got some great freebies and downloads over on my shop, thecharmedshop.com. I am so glad you joined us today. And again, I can't wait for this Kickstarter to help pave the way for this documentary. So thanks for joining me, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Oh, 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 oh